Welcome to Talk the Dog, the show where we find a bone to pick and a take to give. These are not hot takes. These is dog takes. Can I talk that dog? Nine Ten Cooper says Brooks looks like he shoots the decoy ducks on accident. <laughs> it's not bad, bro. It's not bad. Brock at all. Vandergriff is somewhere laughing his ass off at that one. Oh yeah, Brock uh, Vandergriff's eating that up. Brock Vandergriff <laughs> would be eating this whole entire tire up. He'd be like, huh, "Look at that sissy. Can't even grow facial hair. Look at him wearing that fake denim. Look at him. Um, good stuff from there uh, from the chat. Uh, welcome into the local hour. I got an opening for you, and it's nothing to do with football." Man, we, we never we never stop being suckers. I'm gonna tell you that right now. Um, I've been married, uh, ooh, I've been married since 2019, so four years coming up on five this uh, fall. Um, I've been with my wife for nine years. With this, we just finished up our eighth Valentine's Day together, and Aww. it's very very important. I've always said when it comes to these things with re- with regards to relationships and gift giving and just relationship management in general. If you set and manage expectations, life goes a whole hell of a lot easier. So a conversation, for example, that I had with my wife yesterday, very early on in the morning was, hey, I totally forgot. No, I didn't forget the date. I know the date was here. I totally forgot what the standard is for this day. Do you get a card? Like in our family, we have to write cards from the kids. And like, so I have to sit down with my kid and write his name with his own hand and then mm-hmm. give it to my wife because it was something that her parents did for one another. And, and it's just her expectations, yeah. what she wants to have during these days so you should be doing this you should be finding out not what your wife wants but what your wife needs on these types of days what are the basic requirements and i'm lucky enough that my basic requirements for my wife are just some general spending some time with me i want good food and i want to spend good time with my husband so we played a little golf yesterday we ate a little steak and lobster here at the house we had a good little time here at the house but here's what i'm talking about we never stop being suckers none of us none of us men ever stop being suckers because while I'm going to the grocery store to pick up dinner for us to cook, bro, it looks like, you, you know, when COVID first hit and everybody was pillaging the village for all the toilet paper? Oh, yeah. Oh, That's yeah. what it looked like in the chocolate aisle. Oh. In the chocolate aisle and the, and the rosary aisle or the roses aisle, it was nothing. But I'm talking about suckers from my age up until they mid-60s. We never stop being suckers for this date. So mm. um, we got to figure something out. We got to band together. We got uh, pr- to prove to college football players everywhere that men can unionize for a collective effort and collectively bargain the fact that I ain't got to be spending $30 on some Publix roses on this day to tell you that I love you. I love you, and you know this. Preach. So, this no, is, it never stops, though. You never stop being a sucker. This is the one holiday that I'm like, I'm so glad I'm single, dude. This the one holiday. This is the, <laughs> like, if I had to pick one that makes me glad, it's this one, dude. Huh. It's solid. Interesting. Uh, my only tip, marry well. You know what I mean? Like, Feel, feel the process out on the on the materialistic possessions. That's all I'm going to say. You know what I mean? Super materialistic is not great. Mm. In my in my personal opinion. And I married extremely, extremely well on that end. Welcome in. We got a loaded show for you guys tonight. There was some staff turnover over the week. Or during the week, I should say. During our absence from you guys since Tuesday. Um, I believe Kirby Smart has his best marketing ploy to date. And he's been making it since he came to Georgia, okay? They have been just absolutely laying down uh, a a clinic in marketing ploy in this one department. And with, I know it's been a lot of college football video game talk tonight, but for you Georgia fans, I think you're thoroughly going to enjoy this one. We're going to go about picking the ultimate team tonight for the University of Georgia. What does that mean? We're going to basically create a 53-man roster of the best football players from the University of Georgia and put them on and select them onto a roster that we have set parameters on. So it's going to be a great show. Make sure you hit that thumbs up button, like, subscribe, rate, review, and let's get on after it. Um, let's be brief. Let's be very brief with this Scott Cochran uh, story. Scott Cochran stepping down as a special teams coordinator. Kirk Benedict will be taking his place. I want to do more talking about Kirk Benedict than I do want to be talking about Scott Cochran. So let's talk about Kirk Benedict. Who is this guy? Kirk is a grown man. Kirk has been coaching football for a long time, I found out today. Um, I've been aware of Kirk Benedict because you see him. When you see big chin, like big broad chins on dudes, 
um, six two and above, six three and above. I don't know about y'all, but I size him up immediately. I might be just my eyes drawn to him. You're a bit, you're a big man, very big man here in Kirk Menendez. Don't know if it's worth any uh, you know tidbits for you in terms of a football story, but very large human. Um, but been coaching football at a high level for a long time. In 2014, at the University of Duke or Duke University, I should say. He became a, a graduate assistant. His sole role was to help out with special teams uh, quality control, essentially. He basically stayed in that role all the way through his graduate assistant uh, program and then was hired full-time uh, to be an analyst at Duke, then spent time as an analyst, then eventually became the special teams coordinator, then eventually became the director of recruiting for the defensive side of the football. Bottom line, this dude went from being a good football player to a great special teams coach that climbed the ladder and ended up on a, on a coaching staff at the University of Georgia. And now he is your special teams recruiting coordinator. Scott Cochran, for me, in my personal opinion, was far more of an asset from an energy and recruiting standpoint than he ever was changing the game special teams-wise. I'm going to be honest with you. I, we make jokes about special teams. I do at least. And, and it's all fun and games. And, and to, to be honest with you, it's kind of a spoof. I believe in the unit. I still believe you got to win two out of the three phases. That, that's my core identity and trait as a football person, okay? I want that to be stated. But coaching special teams at Georgia is, uh, I mean, a nutless monkey could do it. I'm going to be honest with you. Here's your job. Take a roster that basically could win the ACC and go cover a punt. Come on, dog. Like, we, we should be able to coach that one up. Um, this, is, this is a job now at Georgia far more about, hey, Make sure everybody's out on the field at the right time. Pay attention to everything. Scout the opponent at the right, you know, depth that we need to. And be an asset on the recruiting trail. It's not trying to win the game in the margin of special teams. That's not Georgia football. There was also an offensive analyst role, right, that opened up? Yes. Uh -huh. Yeah, uh, Dickie. Darryl. Yeah. <laughs> which they, they could go any which way with that one. Yeah. My, my mom called me about that. And she's like, what is an offensive analyst? I was like. <laughs> Odd story for you to be calling me about, Mom. First of all, why aren't you sending me a screenshot of our article? Why are you sending me a screenshot of the Ops article? I don't appreciate that. Um, boo. But boo. <laughs> boo, Mom, boo. Um, but anyway, she's like, what is this? And I'm like, I mean, I don't even know what his honest-to-God role is. He probably doesn't he, either. He takes the offense analyzes and he analyzes it. it. Yeah. But sometimes he'd be analyzing future defensive opponents. So what he then? He's, he, he's he still offensive-minded when he's doing it. Oh, okay, okay. He has the offense's best interest. He's Checks analyzing out. for the offense at that point. There you go. But most of the time, these roles are filled from uh, a connection. Yeah. Like, you ain't getting that job unless you know somebody. Mm -hmm. Sounds about right. Yeah, so um, – or you played there. I think we're going to we, – we saw with Warren Erickson. Is Warren Erickson the first one? Prather Hudson? Prather Hudson and Warren Erickson, the first two football players that have come back to coach for Kirby and played for Kirby? I think so. Um, I feel like there's another one we're missing. Off the top of my head, yeah, but it might it might hit me soon. But Maybe like a walk on receiver that may be out or something like that. But these 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 two guys played roles and came back and yeah. Oh yeah, no. Um, there. I'll tell you later. Say less. Say less. All right. Um, I I think I think there is a massive massive marketing ploy that's been going on at the University of Georgia. Okay. Let's hear and, it. Huh? Let's hear it. And I, I don't know if he's doing it on purpose, but my analytics show it is it is absolutely pouring back, okay, into the market, which is uh, all this uniform stuff at the University of Georgia. I think somewhere down the line, you know, Kirby did the keep the main thing the main thing, gave you some white jerseys against UMass or some slappies from the mid-majors or whatever, gave it to you in a bowl game one time. But most of the time, Georgia fans have been drastically deprived from uniform combinations. And I know you might be listening to this and you'd be like, I don't give a shit. I, they won two national titles. I don't care what uniforms they wear. Um, I would say you might feel that way, but your fellow Georgia fan does not. Because I have been covering this program for almost five years now. And there ain't an article, video, topic, tweet, one that I can put out that will get hotter and more attractive or, or, or more uh, attention than anything about uniforms. And I think, guys, that has been created and that has been a pathway that has been created for this need because it's simple uh, supply and demand. There is a ton of demand for Georgia to wear these cute, cool uniforms and there is no supply of it. So you just talk about it all the time and you crave it, you want it, you want it, you want it, you want it, and you never really get it. 
I'll never forget covering the national title and the hottest article that weekend was, look, Georgia reveals game day threads. Everybody knew that they were wearing what jersey color yeah. they were going to wear, and it was just the, the Twitter. They put a chrome check on it. That was the only difference. That was it. They took a close-up picture of it and a couple other pictures of the jerseys, and we did a look article, and it was the hottest Bands. article that we wrote the Bands. whole weekend. A national title. And that jersey's hottest topic. Frustrating. Extremely frustrating. As someone who uh, relies strongly upon – the uh, market of journalism, the fact that I, – I mean, I could sit down. We could break news. We can break news in a in a realistic, journalistic ma manner and fashion. And I write some damn jerseys about a potential black jersey – or I release an article about a potential black jersey leak, and all hell has broken loose. All hell has broken but loose. But imagine breaking news on black jerseys. Oh, my God. We're, we're chilling, bro. We're, we're here, rich. baby. We're here. We need and you know what? Here's the, here's the mess up thing. The equipment staff knows this. I'm not ratting no equipment staff out because I know y'all ain't supposed to be talking to nobody. But every time I talk to them, I'm like, y'all mother – because every, every Friday – Oh, they're trolling. Oh, they troll big time. Back in black, where they, they play some ACDC shit or whatever. Mm -hmm. or, you, the, dude, the, one, the one before um, – I don't know what game it was this year where they're like, this is how we would do to get ready for a Georgia football game. And they're like loading up all the uniforms. And they had the black uniforms hanging on the yeah. coat rack in the back. Know. They know what I'm telling Bro, you right now. They're trolling. Is that, man, y'all want some jersey reveals, man. Y'all would kill to be Oregon Duck fans. Hey, but guess what? That new video game is going to come out, and you best you believe can play all those, of them. those black jerseys. You are think? Be I, don't, I don't give a shit they're about They're going to be in there. They're so going to be in there. I don't give a shit about none of that. I want that white helmet. That's what I want. I want that white helmet sitting right here. I think that white helmet from Georgia looks better than any helmet in college football right now, except for maybe the white helmet with the, with the uh, uh, pearly blue that Ole Miss wears. Mm. That one's hard. I don't know. I but, like. I think Florida State still got them beat. Mm. I like LSU's white. That's too standard mm. for me. Too standard. Um, UNC. UNC's nice. All the Army helmets are sick. Yeah, Army's. Ooh, dude, Army uniforms are going to go so hard. Thank you game. for your service. Um, dude, I'm so, so yeah. excited for this football game. I can't. Yeah. Nice. I can't stop thinking about yeah, it. Yeah, I'm, I'm not so excited because I can already see work productivity going down. You can already see it. For who, us? Yeah, in general. So here's nah. what we're going to have to do. No, dude, I got to purchase my five-star quarterback somehow. Yeah, no, nah, here's what we're going to have to do. We're going to have to figure out a way to produce content around dicking around this video game because I, I, I'm not. We That's can't what I'm be, saying. It's going to come out, out at the perfect time, time for that look, to happen. Look. But I, I you do think Work comes first. Has there been a better marketing ploy for Georgia? I don't know, I don't know how it behooves him. Um, in terms of uh, bringing attention to the program and building hype. But hype and anticipation around any part of your program in a positive light is always good. I think I think a better marketing ploy that he's instilled has been winning back-to-back -back national championships. Mm. But as far as what you don't do on the field, yes. Take. Yes, that's probably the best I marketing. can think of one that I think was – the one that I think maybe would rival it was his first recruiting class. And it mm. was like the whole we ain't done yet. Uh, he was G-Day? At what G day? Ninety three K. But like day? the whole thing, ninety yeah, ninety three K day was a good one. But like the whole recruiting class was like Richard the Count, Jake Fromm, Lee Caring, all those guys, and they were doing 17. specialty videos for each and every one of them to mm. commit. That I mean, that had the Georgia fan base running rampant all over Twitter, just like blowing up all over. They absolutely ate it up, and I think it kind of like re-sparked this energy of the fan base and following recruiting, really being passionate about it, and just like setting the standard of like this is how it's about to be at the University of Georgia with Kirby Smart. I like it. Um, I know there's some – I love this comment. And this is – this might be Kirby's burner. I am 45 years old, have been referred to as a boomer on multiple occasions. But fact is, jerseys, pants, and helmets ain't never won a damn game or lost one. Uh, Facts. He's right. I don't know. That one time you wore black against Bama, it might have lost you the football Oh, no. You game. see those nah. videos of those dudes laying down in the end zone and yeah, hiding themselves for kickoffs? Game. Say what? He's got you a point. see those videos of dudes laying down in the end zone, blending with the end zone on kickoffs, getting hey. a kick return? That might help you win or lose a game. They don't help. Saying. Look, jerseys Man's don't. Man's earning his chair every take like that. That's a good one. <laughs> jerseys don't help you win a football game, but they make moments more special. If I say 2008 Auburn, or two, mm. was it 2007? 2007, 2007 Auburn, immediately. Oh, black jerseys. That's when we had the blackout, first mm. blackout. Mm. Sugar Bowl against Hawaii, black jerseys. New Mexico State. Wasn't it? I played no. Mexico State. UNLV. Who was it? 
2016 was the West Coast FCS team who came out here and, and wore black jerseys? In 2016? 2016 was yeah. the Louisiana Lafayette Raging Cajuns, I believe. Hell yeah. Isaiah McKenzie had two yeah. touchdowns. Hell yeah. Solid day to wear black jerseys. Mm-hmm. And then the Cincy game, of course. And the Mississippi um, State. He's only done it three times. All right, there was a coaching change. It is the local hour, and there was a coaching change here locally. Um, Sean Elliott out as the head coach at the George at the University of Georgia, at Georgia State University. Um, spent about six or seven years there, Kirby. Maybe seven. Yeah, years. I want to say 2015 was his first. Been year. a while, um, and it's been about what it's been over there. And he has left the head coaching job there to become the tight ends coach. Um, at South Carolina, and a lot of people were quick to blame the world of college football for this one. I saw a lot of that. Sean Elliott even did it. Sean Elliott told people at the at the Senior Bowl that, you know, he just didn't feel comfortable as a head coach anymore. There's just too much going on in the NIL and the recruiting space. Well, Bubba, I'm here to tell you, you're going to have to recruit at, at, at South Carolina as a tight ends coach. Um, and now I guess you get to do it with a little bit more uh, momentum and a little bit more, uh, you know, firepower, if you will, than you would at Georgia State. But you're not running from college football. So this idea that college football was the reason for you running a little bit different. I think the real reason here, and you can probably back this up, Kirby, because I know you have a background with Sean, um, at least having been recruited by him. He never moved down here. His family never left Columbia. His kids go to high school in Columbia. He, He travels back and forth every weekend to Columbia. This has not been a guy that ever made Atlanta, Georgia, his home. This is a guy that made Atlanta, Georgia, his occupation. Yeah, well, I think it's part of that, and I think it's also you look at the last two seasons they had. They went they went eight and five in twenty twenty one. Things were looking up. They followed it up with two straight losing seasons. And they return. I think their returning production this year is one hundred and twenty ninth in college. Yeah, football. so I mean the writing's on the wall that like this year is probably not going to be better either. Yeah. I think he what he did was kind of let's get ahead of the curve. Let's go to somewhere else where you lose your, your your job security kind of declines and go somewhere else like a power five division one SEC school and say, hey, get to rebuild here. Coach, what is he coaching? Tight ends, I believe. Yes. Build a rapport there and then maybe another group of five head coaching job or an assistant coach or a DC or, or an offensive coordinator job opens up. I think that's what he did. I think he just kind of understood that things weren't going to go well this year. He's probably going to get fired. So he just went ahead and jumped out in front of that beforehand. I mean, too, like, Georgia State's on the verge of getting surpassed by Kennesaw State as a superior, like, lower-level lower college and, and near the city of Atlanta, at least. I mean, they're moving on up now as an FBS program, Division One, and everything. They're, I mean, I'm pretty sure they'll end up being in the new um, college football game. Who do you so, I mean, they're moving on up, and Georgia State kind of staying stagnant, so maybe there's a little bit of that as well. And here's the thing about this football program. In my opinion, that school – should be winning with the athletes that Troy steals from Atlanta. Uh They should be winning with the athletes that Coastal Carolina comes down here and tries to steal. They should be winning their conference with athletes that UAB definitely tries to steal from this metro Atlanta area. And I could even extend it further. further. I think UCF came into Atlanta this last couple of years and stole players that Georgia uh, State could potentially maybe one day have an opportunity to do so, right? There are so many great, and I don't have to tell this audience this, there's so many great football players here in the state of Georgia that other programs come and take stabs at because they're great players in Metro Atlanta. Hell, Will Muschamp, it's not a great success story, but Will Muschamp signed about seven or eight players a year from the Metro Atlanta area when he was at South Carolina. If you're a great program at Georgia State, you can kind of put a wall around Fulton County if you really wanted to, and if you did that alone, you're going to be a great mid-major football program. But here's the problem. They have yet, since the time they have been, I mean, even back to Bill Curry being their head football coach, they have not had a head football coach that has the the energy and the vigor to be out on the the, uh, recruiting trail and the head football coach with the connections in this state to be able to, to, to land some of these prospects. I'm here to tell you, Ricky Lee is a name you don't know. You don't know the name Ricky Lee. But Ricky Lee started as a true freshman at UAB and picked a ball off against Georgia this year. He's from Dagum DeKalb County. Georgia State never called, never sniffed, never wavered, never never even came in. Why? Because they probably thought they weren't going to be able to land the kid. That type of uh, you know thought process around Georgia State has got to change because there's plenty of availability here. Now, here's the problem. There's no money there, all right, at least in terms of being able to pay their football coaches because my first thought and inclination was that's a job for Dale McGee. Dale McGee is 50 years old. Dale McGee has been the best running backs coach for half of a decade now in college football. 
And if he were ever to get into head coaching, if he ever wanted to make a run at this thing, this would be the time. And oh, by the way, Austin McGee, his son, just signed a letter of intent to play at Georgia State under Sean Elliott. I would imagine he's still going to stay there. That was my first thought process, Dale McGee. Then, as I start tweeting and talking about Dale McGee, I get a message from somebody that I trust in the Georgia State circles that's like, hey, you're right in the sense that a Georgia coach might have interest here, but it's not Dale McGee, or it may not be Dale McGee, but it is Brian McClendon. Brian McClendon, I, I have been told, has at least brokered interest in potentially taking this job. And, and I would ask you guys this question, because I looked it up today. Sean Elliott <clears throat> was making about $800,000 a year as the head football coach at Georgia State. If you're Georgia State, do you bump that up to a million, okay? Get, get a little bit more modern, have a little bit more investment in your football program. And if you're a guy like Dale McGee, do you take a what would be a lateral pay move, okay? Or if you're a guy like Brian McClendon, do you take a lateral pay move to become a head coach for the first time in your career? At Georgia State. No, I don't know. For someone like Brian McClendon, he's always kind of had this feeling around him that he wants to be a head coach. I mean, he's been an interim head coach before. He's been at multiple programs. Now he's at Georgia. It kind of feels like a spot where you get to get get your feet back underneath of you and kind of move forward and get to push your career forward. And if it's, if he wants to be a head coach that badly, like if it is just what something that he's super passionate about wanting to do, this might be the next step to take and eventually kind of push your career forward, like I mentioned, and find your way back up the ranks. And maybe eventually you get into that Power Five or whatever Super League head coaching position that you get down the road. For someone like Dell McGee, though, Dell's stuck around at Georgia, and there's so many times there's been lingering information of, oh, you better watch out for McGee to get this job. He might go to this program. I he mean, might take this head coaching job. Like three years there, he thought he was going to Auburn. Yeah, and it just never happens. So that strikes me as – He's kind of – if he is waiting for a head coaching job, he's waiting for one that he really, really wants to take. Now, him being, his son being there, obviously that would be a good fit. But Brian McClendon, I feel like if that is what you want to do, then that's probably a good move for him. I just – in my personal opinion, I can't think of a reason why you would want to increase your workload, increase your stress level, increase your pressure from your position for what is a lateral move pay-wise. And I understand, like, the, the long-term aspect of it is, hey, things go well here, you move up, and there you, you, you become a better coach. But, I mean, could you not go to a coordinator position at a Power 5 school before you do that? Those aren't really readily available at major programs either. I mean, at, at the major programs you're talking about? Right. It's like, hey, come be an OC for a couple of years, and then you're a Power 5 football coach. Um, Chip Kelly just took one of those jobs. Right. You know what I mean? Like, right. Um, that, that's kind of my point there. And I, I just – like with Dale, for example – Dale's going to have to take one of these jobs to skip the coordinating route. Like You're, you're not going to go from Georgia's running backs coach to – like I don't think what Sam Pittman did no, is available for anybody no. anymore. Or Shane Beamer. Or, or what Shane Beamer well, – even Shane Beamer was a coordinator, a special teams coordinator for a little bit of time. Mm -hmm. um, like, I, I don't think the idea of, of just skipping the line from a coordinator pers perspective is going to land you at a Power 5 job. Yeah. Um, which is why I've always thought that this type of job or Troy – or somewhere centrally located to the southeast in the state of Georgia, and particularly southwest Georgia, um, Dell would do an incredible job at. I think he's a great recruiter, and I know he's a great relationships developer, which is For what sure. you need in this in this city. So um, it'll be interesting. I think it's gonna. I, I don't know if it's gonna like fully impact your roster or your coaching staff at the University of Georgia, but I don't think there's any doubt that those. If Georgia State's hiring committee does not call those two individuals. I don't know what to tell you. I don't, except for they're probably going to hire a dud um, if they haven't reached out to those two guys, which I assume they have. Probably, yeah. All right, let's get into this ultimate team. Here's how this works, guys. Um, we're, we're trying to – I know there's 85 scholarships, but to keep us from picking 85 <laughs> names tonight, we're going to go through and basically assemble what looks to be an NFL roster for the greatest college football – or greatest college football team we can assemble – using only Georgia football players. So, here's how this is going to work. On the offensive side of the football, we're drafting or selecting three quarterbacks, three tight ends. We settled on eight wide receivers, four running backs, and eight offensive linemen. Okay, on the defensive side of the football, we're going to be a 4-2-5 nickel base defense. Okay, what does that mean? We're going to have two nose tackles, four defensive tackles, three defensive ends, three jacks, two mics, two wills, two stars, two corners, four safeties, okay? Oh, and um, stars. You did forget about stars, but that's okay. You can think about it as we, as we do it. It's it right a now. pretty long segment. Um, and then finally, that's about 54 to 55 players is what we rounded up. 
And then finally, we have one category of this ain't an ultimate team if this guy's not on it. I want to have an excuse to have this guy on the roster. So we have one excuse position on the roster. Chat, I also need your uh, help here. There's going to be a couple of these categories where we know for a fact there are two unanimous selections, for example. And then the third, we're kind of up in air. We, we all have three different answers. You're going to be the deciding factor on who that third or fourth or whatever football player ultimately is selected on this roster. So let's start on the offensive side of the football, guys, and let's start at the quarterback position. I and Jonathan are of the belief that this is a very simplistic answer. Um, Stafford, the first-round draft pick. Murray, the second-round draft pick. Stetson uh, Bennett, the third-round draft pick. That's our belief here. Kirby, as you can see, he's got a big shaking head of no why. When you are creating a video game roster, a roster you're going to play a video game, processing goes out the window because you are the processor. You yeah. don't need to worry about, oh, how did this quarterback read defenses and things such as that. You're the one reading defense. So all that skill set goes out the window. You need someone who can throw the ball far, and you need someone who had, has a dual-threat ability. Uh -huh. The best quarterback that George's ever had was that was DJ Shockley. Mm. The second best is Stetson Ben. So I would have DJ Shockley as my number one pick. For a video game roster, DJ Shockley. I don't hate it, but um, I've played with Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes on Madden with these ungodly arms, and Matt Stafford fits that category. Um, they're pretty hard to beat. Like They're pretty hard to beat. Uh, at the quarterback position. So I'm, I'm with you. And here's why you really sold me on this. Because I did this. I, I used to sub out David Green and play oh, yeah. DJ Shockley. Because DJ Shockley could run mm -hmm. in those video games. Now here's what we got to talking about before the show. Uh, do they truly scout these things uh, when they do these ultimate teams? Because DJ Shockley, I think, his career high in rushing yards was like 280. Yeah. Like it wasn't a lot. Like he's not a runner. He, he was actually more, much more of a pocket passer than people remember. Yeah, I would say that Stetson Bennett was more athletic than DJ Shockley was. Probably, yeah, but but like you look back and just based off of what he was in NCAA 06, I wonder what his speed ranking was in NCAA 06. I think it was like an 87. I don't, so good my, for a my brain does weird things. Which oh, is yeah, so 322 yards rushing his one year starting. About 4 yards in attempt. He had four rushing touchdowns. So, so yeah. Shock is definitely worth a shout, but I also would say that if they were to ever do this, I don't think that Shockley would make the list of the quarterbacks that they would put for Georgia. Yeah, I mean, if we're Murray's got all the records, Stafford's the most talented, Stet's got the statues. Yeah, yeah, I and those are the three that everybody would probably. Want. My, I think Stetson is the next best choice. He's quick. He can. He yeah. made all the right throws. Stetson would be a fun video game quarterback if they rated. Yeah. Pro if they properly rated him I, to his play style. Yes. Yeah, he would be really, really fun. Um, where do we want to go next? Running backs, tight ends, and wide receivers. Got to go running backs. Running backs. All right, let's go to running backs. We gave you allotted four for this, and I personally think the first three are unanimous selections. Those three, and feel free to argue with me are Herschel, Gurley, and Nick Chubb. Yep. You know, I looked it up today, and I told you guys this before the show. Herschel Walker, during his three-year career, averaged 331 carries per season. No other Georgia Bulldog running back has a singular season of over 300 carries. He averaged what no one else ever has ever done, will yeah. ever do. That's pretty crazy. It's pretty nuts. Um, obvious selection there. I think Gurley and Chubb are obvious selections. Do we all agree there? Oh, yeah. I don't have Chubb or Herschel Walker. And oh, here's God. why. Here Bro. Go. Bro, you're wilding. Come you're on. Wilding today. Why. Come on. Nick Chubb, Herschel Walker are two of the greatest running backs in Georgia football history. There's no doubt about it. But they're physical runners. And in video <sighs> game, you have to avoid contact. Not, you're almost never running up the middle on third. On third. You almost never run up the middle in a video game. I already know I hate. I already know I hate playing against guys that play like Kirby, because you know what he does. The first time it loads in on a live game, going straight to the depth chart and changing all the rosters. I do. The first thing you have to deal with is speed, a timeout window. Speed yeah. kills, bro. No, I don't do that. But it sounds like you're you're the guy that I used to play with all the time that would go in and sub out every fast guy. It's like, oh, the kick returner's a 93. Oh, the, that guy better be a 99. Yeah. You know, like, you, you strike me. As, and, and based off your comments, and that's who you but are. But, like, here's fine. the thing. Here's the thing. You're going you're not going to truck people with Herschel Walker like Herschel Walker did back in the day. As great as Herschel Walker yeah. was, that type of play doesn't translate to video games. Like, Derrick Henry isn't an unstoppable force in Madden. So, what do you do with the fact that Herschel ran, like, a 10-1 in 100? 
He, look, he's fast, but he's a power bat. They okay. make him stacked. They, they make, make him, him stacked. OP. He's a, yeah, they make him a 99. Dude, I'm it. sorry. Look, I, I like <laughs> I, you got I, a look. great thought process here, but if you're not, if you do not have Nick Shubb or Herschel Walker on your list, that's invalid. I have, yeah, it's <laughs> disrespectful I have, as hell. I have Todd Gurley, DeAndre Swift, and Sonny Michelle. With and no my sp- team is boxing your ass. Oh, <laughs> uh, okay. Um, all right. The. Aside from the, he's actually trying to think about playing video games again, yeah. um, which I it's a it's a it's a sound thought process. I don't mean you. I don't mean to make you think I'm making fun of you. No, it's fine. I don't care because I, I have no, it's played. a good thought process. Dude, everyone's played like this. Everyone has where they just sub in the fast yeah. guy because they're trying to capture the edge. Like, For sure, I, I totally get it. Everyone has played like that before, so I, I definitely understand. Absolutely, particularly going with you on the Shockley conversation. Like, yeah. yeah, we need a mobile guy in there, or at least somebody who on the video game can run. Um, the fourth running backs, in my opinion, the options and the only options um, are Thomas Brown, Noshawn Marino, Sony Michelle, and Garrison Hurst. So of the uh, of those four names, chat, I want you to give me the one that we are going to sub in here for the fourth selection. Again, assuming that the first three are Herschel, Gurley, and Chubb, who's that fourth running back? Are you throwing in uh, Sony Michelle, Thomas Brown, Noshawn Marino, or Garrison Hurst? Um, let's go on to the tight end discussion because I think this one could be very, very quick. I think off the bat, we know two, right? You got three allotted. We know two for a fact. One, two, three. Brock, Brock. Bowers, Darnell Washington. Yep. Okay, those two are automatics. Now, I want to hear y'all's, sub- or y'all's suggestions for the third. There's not much of a list for him, to be honest, but I went with Orson Charles. Orson yeah, Charles too. is mine. We all went Orson Charles? Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I, kind of, <laughs> I kind of like debate Randy McMichael. But yeah. but Orson Charles like or some Leonard Pope. Well, Leonard yeah. Pope is Do definitely I just worthy. Remember Leonard Pope because he was huge. Leonard Pope was, was huge, but he was he was. But he had like a six hundred yard season for that it, time. Yeah. He was good, really, really yeah. good for yeah. Georgia. So but he's I definitely th- worth a shout. I think Orson Charles would translate best to this day of college football yeah. and in a yeah. video game. So Leonard Pope walked, so Darnell Washington could run for real. Yeah, no um, doubt. It looks like Marino is going to win that one. No, um, shot, baby. no, 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 no shocker there. Um, I, from the Titans discussion, I think Orson Charles is the lock there for number three. Yeah, just because I, I think he, outside of Brock, he's got the highest receiving yards total in the yeah, season. Yeah, um, he. Pre- I think any record you tied to Georgia tight ends, it was Brock Bowers breaks Orson Charles record for such and such. So I, uh, Ooh, I bump- Ben Watson. Oh, that's a great suggestion. That's another oh, good one. Jeez, we all three I forgot seat. Ben Watson. Ah, it finally yeah. happened. Yeah, it was going to happen. It, it right? finally it was, happened. What do you mean finally? It's a third position group. <laughs> Still, I mean, we made it. Ben through. Watson is a great one. Ben, ben Watson is a, is a really good one. Um, I bumped into Orson Charles at a Players Lounge event a couple years back, and uh, I noticed – Oh, man, this isn't this isn't a huge human. Like Orson's only like six two and three quarters, maybe mm-hmm. six three. And I knew at the time Brock's not a huge human, so I was kind of having the conversation with Orson, like, "Hey, man, do you think like you you walked, so so Brock could run? Like you were kind of a hybrid move tight end before hybrid move tight ends, I, even were a thing. I don't know if I didn't do a good enough job of explaining. He didn't enjoy the comp. Um, <laughs> so there's that. Uh, wide receivers, a lot of them. There's a, a lot. lot of them. Uh, two guaranteeds, in my opinion, Terrence Edwards and AJ Green. AJ, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. I think yeah. I think what's the hesitation there. Don't be disrespectful. Well, I, 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 no, I'm, no not, I'm not disrespecting. Not I'm just saying I think there's more than two guarantees. I think George okay. Pickens is an absolute guarantee. Mm. I think Heinz Ward is someone like I think those are four guys that have to be on any list. So yeah. we're automatically guaranteeing George Pickens in here. I put him in there. He's look. He's the most talented wide receiver to play for Georgia in the last 15 years. Like there's no way you 10, can argue that. Eleven. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, like decade. but I mean it's it's a lot of this is built built off like historical success. And George just, just simply does not have fair. it. Fair. Absolutely fair. George never played more than eight games in a single season. Right. No, look. Look. From a career standpoint, George is not top four. But yeah. from a – he's a video game player, George is top four. That's fair. Um, but I, I think the guarantees. I think the unanimous from the chat and us in, as like well. Like you got to have them in there. Good, yeah, AJ and Terrence. Yeah, that's I'm, fine. I'm right. I have no fine disagreement with that. With so that. who are the next group of names? And let me know if I missed anybody here. I got Fred Gibson. Malcolm Mitchell, mm-hmm. Heinz Ward, mm-hmm. Lad McConkey, Tavares King, and then maybe some Muhammad Massaqua. In yeah, there. I put Massaqua on my list. So right. I have I have two guys on there, but because they're also gonna be my special teams players. Okay, McCall Hartman and Isaiah McKenzie. I don't hate it. 
I just don't think there's room for Isaiah McKenzie in this mix. I think Isaiah McKenzie in the slot. Could I be put McCole over Isaiah McKenzie. Okay. If I had to choose one, I would choose McCole. But I think Isaiah McKenzie. I also think. But do we say Lad? You taking Miko Hardman over Tavares King? No. You taking Miko mm. Hardman over Lad McConkey? He was the last name I put on. the I list. would take Miko over Lad McConkey just because of the special teams ability. Okay. But um, your list, yeah, you, I don't think you missed any like nah. names. Was like, whoa, bro, you didn't have him on there. I think that's a really good list. Zach I, Moss I, I hitting do. us with the Lindsey Scott. We thought about Lindsey Scott. Look, I'm look. Only know of the one highlight, my man. I know they weren't playing on Lundin, national Lundin. TV that much. Lindsey Scott is a like a legend at Georgia football. I don't know if his skill set is matches that legendary status. I like my seven, and we can add an eight with Muhammad. I like A.J., Terrence, Fred Gibson, Malcolm Mitchell, Heinz Ward, Lad McConkie, Tavares King, Mohamed Massaquan. I don't think there's anybody that we drastically missed on. No. Or nah. that doesn't belong. Some really good honorable mentions that you could list, but I mm-hmm. think that's a really solid list. And Lad's, Lad's like, I know he really only played three years, but Lad's like kind of far down the mm-hmm. totality of a career standpoint. He just no didn't have the numbers that yeah. the rest of the guys did. Um, all right. Now, I did some interesting things with offensive line room. Very interesting. Um, I gave you an allotment of eight players, and here's how I did this. Um, I think Georgia is notorious for tackle play and center play. If you pinned me down, held a gun to my head, said, who's the best guard to ever play at Georgia? I don't know. I don't, I don't really know. I mean, there, there hasn't been a ton of superstars. I think Tate's been great. Um, you know, there's some potential for Dylan and Micah to be something special. But here's what I did, okay? I took the four – best tackles that I know of at the University of Georgia, okay? And combined a little bit of their their pro success, right? So I got Andrew Thomas and Matt Stinchcomb as my first, like, set yeah. of tackles. And then behind them, I'm going to rotate Broderick Jones and George Foster. Mm. Okay, shouts out to Foster. That is a good. Um, so I'm going to select those guys at tackles. Now, because of the lack of, like, superstars and the lack of difference makers at the guard position, please don't kill me and eat me, Ben Cleveland. Here's what I'm going to say. Ben Jones, Cedric Van Pran Granger, and David Andrews are going to rotate at guard, center, guard. Okay, so two possessions, Ced's in at center. The next two possessions, David's in. The next two possessions, Ben Jones is in. And that's what we're going to be. And then that's that right there is seven, a seven offensive lineman. My eighth offensive lineman on this group is going to be Isaiah Wynn, and he's going to be my swing player. He's going to play everything. I like that. I had a similar list to you, um, except I went – so I went Andrew Thomas and Stench as my two tackles. Andrew Thomas is the consensus best tackle. Absolutely. For yeah. sure. Got to put him on there. And then Broderick Jones and John Theus. That's who I went for my two tackles. Gross. You say gross. A college As a college tackle, John Theus was great. But of all the options. I went with John Theus. Okay. Is it the red hair? You know, I'm Maybe. fond of the red hair. Maybe. He makes some good coffee, too. He got a yeah, good coffee company good coffee going on. Company. Yeah. Did a great interview with us. He did. Yeah. I'm just, I, I think even Theus would be like, whoa, for real? I don't know. I think that, <laughs> I was, like, when I was doing the offensive you know what, line. I text Theus after the show and be like, hey, are you a top four tackle at Georgia? <laughs> I was thinking back to my childhood, and I remember, like, John Theus. Oh, was dude, just, ton of starts. Yeah. Like, ton of Super memorable. Started as a true freshman, was a five-star. Yeah. Played all four years. Played a lot of football at Georgia. Yeah. So, yeah um, not and a then bad my, choice. My other options were David Andrews, Isaiah Wynn, Ben Cleveland, and Cedric Van Pran. Yeah, mine, mine are pretty much the same in that order. I kind of wanted to put in Clint Bowling, but I, I think that the eight that we have here is probably the consensus that we would agree with. I like it. All right, on to the defensive side of football. I think this is where it gets really, really interesting. I think we have a variety of different answers here. Um, all right, here's how we're going to do this. Like I said earlier, two nose tackles, four defensive tackles, three defensive ends, three jacks, which are basically edge rushers, two mics, two wheels, two stars, two corner or four corners, excuse me, and four safeties, and then one specialty player of a cop-out answer had to get this guy on the roster by any and all means necessary. Damn, I hate that the chat is out here stealing my Reggie Ball jokes because, ooh, I might have had one loaded up. Um, but anyways, nose tackles, let's start there. I think it's pretty easy. Jordan Davis, first round, overall pick right there at that spot. Yeah. And then here's what I'm going to do. 
because he ultimately kicked into kind of a shade tech in, in, in pro ball, I'm going to go ahead and squeeze Richard Seymour down into a nose tackle position, and I'm, like I'm taking one. him. I right love that. Hall of Fame player. That so, combo right there is deadly. Deadly. That's absolutely filthy. Combo. You got one, And one guy's going to play on third downs, yeah. Richard. So the center is going to be like, oh, I had to move the mountain for two plays, and here comes Richard Seymour <laughs> to eat my lunch. Um, all right, defensive tackle. Here's where it gets kind of hairy, in my opinion. We all know Jalen Carter's on the list. Who do you fill it out with after that? Uh, this is the one defensive position that I really struggled to think with. Um, I think Devontae Wyatt has a place in Hell this conversation. Yeah. Yeah. Hell yeah, he does. I think he absolutely has a conversation. So that was a name I had on my list. Um, I think, uh, it, I mean, a Pollock could kind of do I'm, well I'm, in this I, I, in the tackle. I listed him as a defensive end. Yeah, I did too. Pollock is so mislabeled all the time. Pollock was a defensive end. He was six foot three, two hundred and sixty pounds. Yeah, he like he end. like, but yeah. What? I just I just don't he know. He had his hand in the ground, man. He was out on the edge getting after it. I know. Every time I remember him, I know. But I'm, I'm not yelling at you. I'm yelling at like when I did research on yeah. this today. You know how I many different websites list him as a linebacker? No, that's what I'm saying. I think like you could probably like I I wonder what he would have done at a shade technique. Betty White. <laughs> um, <laughs> nah, probably a three tech at at most. Yeah. Um, Ooh, um, he was never going to be heavy. Enough. I like this name from Robert. Gino, Gino. Atkins. Yeah, Gino. That's Gino's who it a, was, a, a number great, six. So, Gino's a great uh, suggestion. Here, Here's my question. John Atkins or John Jenkins? John Jenkins was the one who John Jenkins. John Jenkins had the season. Yeah. John Atkins had the career. Yeah, John Jenkins definitely had the season. Um, that's a tough That's a tough decision. I like the chat suggestion a little bit more, to be honest with you there. Yeah. Um, all right, so – Defensive tackle. There, there's a lot. There's not as many great options yeah. as some of these other positions. Um, like defensive end, I think defensive end is pretty easy for me. It's Pollock, it's Trayvon Walker, and it's Michael Williams. Yep, that's pretty nice. That was consensus with me. Defense. Nice. Are you counting defensive end as Jack or no? No. Okay. No. Just standard defensive ends. And here's here's. I think people can get confused by this. Like a defensive end body looks like Pollock and looks like Kell. Six three to six five, two sixty to two ninety. Um, 290 at its absolute peak. Like, that's like Jewish peppers. Like, you're a freak freak. Um, and you can carry that weight. But outside of that, we get any smaller and twitchier, we become edge rushers, mm -hmm. jacks, outside linebackers, right? Which is our next category that we're going to go into. I have a consensus three. I didn't even waver on a, on a third name, but um, I'm going to go ahead and rip mine because you have a, a sneaky one that apparently everyone missed, and you picked it up as well. Yeah. So I, I guess I'm the dumb dumb. I got uh, Jarvis Jones, a.k.a. Sack Man. Yep. Um, First-round draft pick at the jack position. And then I'm going Aziz Ojolari, and I'm going Nolan Smith. Both are very solid picks. We I think everyone's going to have Jarvis Jones, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah Jarvis, so Jarvis Jones is one. sacks, guaranteed. Yeah. I put Justin Houston at the jack position. Oh, I'm so mad I didn't. Yeah, that, that's a great pull. That's that so is a high. great yeah. pull. People forgot how oh, good man, he was. And then crazy. for the third, I put Leonard Floyd here. Huh. So I have Leonard Floyd on my list, but at a different spot. Yeah? Uh-huh. Where'd you have him? I put him at Willie. Okay, that's not – yeah. Hmm. That's, that's I, I wanted – th I'll give it to you. I think I'll he's give more, it to you. I think he's more of a true Will, but I think there's just so many other players that I wanted to put before He that. definitely – like, when he played defense at Georgia, he was more so in that jack position. Oh, Leonard, Leonard stood up so much yeah. in college. Yeah. Um – as did Lorenzo, which I if I'm gonna force one of these, I'm going Lorenzo over over uh, Leonard. Really? Yeah. I don't know, man. Leonard Floyd. I'm a ceiling was, guy. Y'all know this. I'm a Leonard Floyd slave. was a freaking dog. Yeah, yeah but you gotta think. And we're still talking about a video game here. Leonard Floyd was an yeah. animal. That's right. That's right. Um, there's some options there. Yeah. There's a, a oh, consensus. Uh, Jarvis and Aziz, or just Jarvis. I'm. I don't hate Aziz there. I yeah. just put Justin Houston. I think that's. I feel like that I was one Justin that people are going to forget. Was Justin Houston like that at Georgia? Yes, he yeah. was. Justin Houston in 2009, I believe, like single-handedly destroyed Georgia Tech. Yeah. Say less. Um, on to our next position, which is the Mike position. I think this one's really, really easy. Uh, for me, it's Roquan and it's Nakobe. Yeah, those are like. I yeah. really, really want to put Renicker in there. I do too. Yeah. I want to put Randy there too, and if we're gonna bump anybody, obviously you're bumping Nakobe. Mm -hmm. um, Nakobe a little bit taller, Randy so much faster. Mm -hmm. Yeah, 
But God Rennie was so fast. He was so good. Sideline to sideline and just struck. For a dude that was like 595 or five foot nine. <laughs> yeah. 595 pounds. 595 pounds. <laughs> I was crazy. thinking about his power clean, actually. There was that was the first athlete I remember hearing mythical things about. Rennie Kern. He's insane, dude. Yeah. I, I heard things where he was like power cleaning like 370, like just crazy, crazy mythical stories. Of uh of Rennie Kern. Yeah, I, I would train tremendous businessman now. Oh, he's awesome. Yeah. I love I, he mentored me my senior year. Sure. Another out uh honorable mention, Alec Ogletree. Yeah, yeah. not bad. Definitely oh, when he took that blocked field goal back against Don't Alabama. Talk about that game, man. Everybody I mean, uh, gosh, everybody thought that was it. That was shout it. out Noonan, Georgia. Um shout out Xander Ogletree. Yeah. Yep. Uh, love that story. Uh, probably wanted a, a one son named Alexander had twins. Was like, fuck it, one of them's Alex, and one of them's Xander. You get, um, you get the awesome. last half of your brother's name. That's <laughs> sick. Uh, I actually think they're both biologically named Alexander, mm. and one goes by Xander, and one goes by Alec. There you go. So there you go. Um, little fun facts here that may not be facts. Those are all mythical stories from old times past. How about the Willie position? I, I did something a little cheap here. Uh, I went ahead and already converted Thomas Davis's yeah. big ass from a safety down to a linebacker. Yeah. Um, and put him at the Willie spot next to Quay Walker. Yeah. I think I think Quay Walker and Thomas Davis are the best examples of like true wills. That oh just... yeah. They can still do it. Mm -hmm. They can still extend outside the box and not be a liability in the yeah. passing game. I too. mean, in the four-two-five, that's what you need. So. Yeah. You need a Willie that can stretch. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I did Thomas Davis and Leonard Floyd. And he got to be a big Willie too. You know what I mean? Can't can't be messing with little Willies. Got yeah. got had a big Willie. Got to have the size. Yep, got to have the size. It does matter. It does. On to the star position. Now, I cheated here again. Um Brandon Boykin played at a time where nickel defense wasn't really a thing. Right. But if Brandon Boykin played today, Brandon Boykin would be a hellified star and uh I think Brandon Boykin would have much more success on the NFL level than he did during his career cuz again, we just weren't playing nickel defense back in the day when Brandon Boykin was a dude. Yeah, I originally had him at cornerback. Oh, and Bullard. Yeah. Yeah, I, I originally had Brandon Boykin at cornerback, but I, I agree that he's probably, like, he is the quintessential what was a star player 10 years ago before a star player was a thing. I have Sean Jones as a star player as well. I think his career at UJ is very forgotten about. It he is. was a very talented player, very talented safety. Also kind of from that era before the four two five. Sean Jones. Ah. Uh. So... Sean Jones and Brandon Boykin are my two. I threw Bullard in there. Yeah. I'm looking at it right now. Uh, our man Brandon Boykin measured in at 5'9", 182 pounds. It was a fourth-round pick at the corner spot. Again, Brandon Boykin is playing right now. Brandon Boykin makes $70 million more million than he did during his career. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Isn't that wild? And That's he was insane. electric on special teams. It's like the opposite of Joakim Noah. <laughs> if, if Joakim Noah played right now he'd be in Greece you know what I mean like you just you, you, you ass wouldn't play mama. Um, so yeah nah get ready to Chinese buddy yeah bro get, get out here learning your Mandarin homie um, alright on to the corner spot you get four I think there's one unanimous pick here. It's one, two, three, Champ, Champ Bailey, Bailey. Yeah. Um, and then I went DeAndre Baker Kamari Laster Eric Stokes I had the That's, same. I had the exact same line. I didn't do the exact same. I had everybody except I took Tyson over Eric. I don't mind it. That's fine. I, I'm a proponent of movement skills and ball skills. And, boy, Tyson just walks circles around Eric in both departments. Eric, I, ooh. And I, we knew it was coming. Like, everybody's like, oh, he led the team in receptions. And I would stand on here and be like, he does not have natural hands. He mm -hmm. cannot catch the football. He panics. Like, he body catches every time. And his pro day, bro. Pro Day took like four off the face, like face, chest, belly, everything. Still Tough. a first round draft pick because four two seven. Like yep. it don't matter at that point. Mm -hmm. um, just run with the guy and stick your arm up. Make sure it's not completed. <laughs> um, but I'm I'm with you on the on the mix there with Tyson. I, it, it's it's justifiable there at the corner position. Some mentions for Jake Scott. Some mentions for Darian Kendrick. Those are solid suggestions as well. On to the safety position. Oh, shout out Asher Allen, dude. Asher Allen. Uh, Greg Blue, Malachi Starks. I'm a big fan of Richie LeCount. Um, thought he was one of my favorite yeah, players you to ever put him study. On there. I'm a mm -hmm. big Richie lover. Um, and then last but certainly not least, it's a you're doing it on purpose. No, man. I'm not. I swear, you're doing it on purpose. Uh, I really do love Richie. I'm a Richie lover. Um, I love Rich. 
And then, oh, dude, someone's coming to Trenton Thompson for tackles. <laughs> so, pass. Sorry. Yeah, didn't he? Wasn't he like one of the biggest blocks ever? Dude, he was the number one player in the country. Yeah. Name me a time where you thought. And plays in the USA. He had the one, it, like the most memorable play everybody has of Trent Thompson is him laying the Alabama player out. Yeah. In the, um, like, early on in his career, too. Wasn't he like really early? I think that was the tail end of his career. Okay. Never he mind. was undrafted by the Browns. All right. So I went Greg Blue, Malachi Starks, Richard LeCount. And then because it's the ultimate team and because it's a video game. I, I put Kirby Smart in here. Put him on the ultimate team. Oh. Make him a backup. You know what? That's a good – Make that joker run down on, on, on kickoff and, and never see little 16 ever again. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's actually – I completely forgot Kirby Smart, like, played football. <laughs> I just completely <laughs> – Straight up. I'm I went with the I'm heavy joking, hitters, But, no, that, it, that would be fun to, like, have Kirby Smart on your ultimate team. I went with all the heavy hitters. I had Malachi, but then I went Bakari Rambo, Lewis, and Greg Blue. We just going to mess some stuff up That's literally the exact same that, We I just going to – F some people up Lewis in the secondary. Lewis Seen play, playing with Lewis Seen would be so fun to play with. Oh yeah, I'm trying to find the year, but there was a football game against Auburn where Bakari Rambo had like three personal fouls, like lay hit out of bounds on the road. I was there, and I was like, you know what, Bakari Rambo couldn't play for me, you know. But then again. You, you, you slow Bakari Rambo down, you tell him not to kill people yeah. on the football field, and he's probably not Bakari Rambo. Another one of these guys, not huge. Probably wouldn't do well in today's college football. Sean yeah. Williams. That's a good shout. Sean Williams was also a heavy hitter. Dog. <laughs> Bakari Rambo would be a smoke Monday in today's college football. Every time you turn the TV on, like, damn, smoke Monday just got ejected from yeah. the game again. <laughs> That's a great comp for Bakari Rambo. Smoke Monday. Um, Underrated I'm, ball I'm hawk to find too. The actual year here because I was I was frustrated. You're probably th- it was probably <laughs> if it's it's probably 2010. I found the year. It was it's 2010. 2010. That was that was that chippy game between when Cam oh, Newton. That was when Nick yeah. Fairley was stepping on Aaron Murray. Yeah. That was a chippy game and Georgia led for a good bit of it. I'm trying to look at it right here. Yep, Georgia had 10 penalties in that football game. I believe it. Checks out. What was the final score, like 45 to 31? 49-31. Not bad for you there, kid. All right, um, on to our last category, which is the the cheating category. We can't go an ultimate roster without having this guy. My answer, Charlie Trippy. Can't have a Georgia ultimate team without the the legend, Charlie Trippy. Man fought a war. I mean, come on. (laughs) I like it. Go ahead. I'd, this one was just personal because it, it feels like it was wrong not to have him anywhere on this list. I personally selected Sony Michelle just because mm. it didn't feel right to not have him on the running back list. But there's also like had to put no Sean on mine, but I still have to have Sony Michelle. Can't have too many backs. Now, we didn't really have a position for this guy, but Ooh. to see him on the field and to see him in video game form would be so much fun. Rodrigo Blankenship. <laughs> Dude, to s- tell me, tell me that the specs would not be fun. To- specs would be dope. There's some uh, some Boss Bailey love. Y'all trying to get to my heart right there. Boss, Boss Bailey, underrated bro, athlete. Boss Bailey, greatest athlete of all time. I think we talked to Terrence about this. Yeah. Boss Bailey, one of the freakiest human beings yeah. to ever walk the planet. Um. So yeah, great, great stuff there. Um. Great stuff from this network this week as well. Shouts out to Dan Lanning one more time. Dan Lanning, give him three. Um, so yeah, shouts out to this network. Shouts out to you guys for listening and hanging out with us all off season. Hey, last or this Tuesday's show, over thirty seven minutes of average viewer retention rate. Hell yeah! And I only say these things because it's a testament to you guys. Y'all love this show. Y'all show up, you show out, and you stick. It's very very sticky what we do around here. So make sure you're sharing some of that sticky icky with your friends. I'll see you Monday. That was a little. That was close. Well, yeah, but...